Hello, my name is Jason Reichel, and you're listening to Risk Management Brick by Brick. I'm fascinated with people who are helping build and maintain the physical world around us. On each episode of this podcast, we'll dive in with a risk manager, speak to them about how technology plays a role in this process. Hello, and welcome to Brick by Brick. I'm your host, Jason Reichel. I am going back to ITC for another episode to speak to Max Drucker, co-founder and CEO of Carp Data providing predictive scoring and data products to PNC and life insurance companies. He gave a great presentation at the ITC about the benefits of predictive analytics. I found this conversation really fascinating and innovative. So let's get going. Hey, Max, thank you for joining me on Brick by Brick. I'm really excited to have you. When I was looking on the showroom floor, people that I wanted to bring on the podcast, your company came up. So why don't you give us a brief introduction to what you guys do and what your goals for ITC were? Sure. So Carpe Data is an emerging and alternative data company, specifically for insurance. Everything we do is to drive one of two use cases. Our data either drives automation, enabling things like straight-through processing, being able to avoid manual processes, or our data elements are there to improve insurance outcomes, whether that means avoiding loss, whether that means uh, pricing risk differently, whether that means paying the right amount for a claim. That's what our focus is. And who is primarily your clients? Who are your buyers? Our buyers are PNC carriers. And so our, we primarily focus on the small commercial side. So for small commercial carriers, we provide data to enable that straight through processing and risk selection, as well as in the claim space, we monitor injury claims at scale and provide data at first notice of loss to help with straight through processing, identifying how to handle a claim. Max. Why CEO of this company? What's the story? Where did the idea come from? Yeah, what's the deal? Sure. So, I mean, I, I don't know if I should you know, be proud of this, but uh, I consider myself to be kind of an insurtech dinosaur. Okay. So, when I had not so much white hair, I was a founding member of eCoverage, which was the first online auto insurance carrier. And so that was in 1998. And myself and a team sold the first auto insurance policy online. And e-coverage blew up in a brilliant glory in the height of dot-com 1.0, a washout. But out of that, I founded a policy admin company that was called SteelCard to basically be the first web-based platform to sell and issue BNC insurance on the internet for insurance carriers. And so built that platform and ultimately sold it to Insurity. And at the time, Insurity had been owned by ChoicePoint. And I really got a lot of exposure to power of data and why it was so interesting and ultimately set out to found this company today, Carpe Data, to solely serve insurance carriers with the mission, providing data to automate and to improve insurance outcomes. Yeah. So when we think about that and we think about the need for that, you say insurance dinosaur, but I'll be honest, the insurance industry is sometimes known to move on technology rather slowly. It sounds like your career has been built on top of technology. What's happening in the tech area right now that's allowing something like your product to be successful and actually be embraced by the people who in the past may not have embraced those kind of technologies? Insurers are always looking to automate and to be able to provide consistency across whatever that given process is. And, and most carriers still have tons and tons of paper, tons and tons of processes that are manual, that are subjective, the amount of times that in the past people have talked about underwriting is an art, not a science. 
And I think where we are here in 2023 is that I think universally people want to have more consistent process. And now we are at a point with the technology, with cloud, with scale, obviously with much better AI, the data makes automation more possible than it has been in the past. So it's a really exciting time because look, everybody's excited about how can I do more with less? How can I grow without having necessarily hire new people? Talent is very hard to come by. We're dealing also with an aging workforce that are retiring. Younger people aren't going into insurance and being able to have a conversation about we can help the carriers by having more consistent process by having the data to enable the automation is exciting. Kind of a, a way we think about it is auto insurance is effectively a fully automated product. And what makes that possible is the data. It's the automated motor vehicle report. It's right. the automated loss history report. And it's the automated credit score that enables that carrier to have the confidence to issue and bind that policy. So many other lines don't have this core building blocks to enable that confidence. And so at Carpe Data, we are specifically in small commercial working on what are those core components of small commercial to enable that carrier to be able to pass the policies through and issue them and get it as close to where auto insurance is as possible. I'm going to ask a controversial question, which is, you know, I remember my career. I'm a tech guy from Silicon Valley, right? So I remember 10 years ago, we were talking about the age of data, big data, all this kind of stuff. Then all these companies had so much fucking data that they had no idea what to do with it. Is that niche focusing on the small commercial side that allows you to build those building blocks? Or how does your organization plan not to repeat this like onslaught of data that then companies have no idea how to process in the first place? So it's all about use cases. And I think one of the things that we do really well is identify the specific use cases of what to do with each data element that we create and say in small commercial, we have data elements that number one, classify the business. What does this business actually do? Is it a bar? Is it a bowling alley? Is it both? Yeah, right. right. The second component of the data, and then it sure knows what to do with the classification. So now I know what it is. Now I know how to price this. Two, we provide where are the risks in this business, yeah. right? So does the a restaurant have a dance floor or is there a balcony or is there a fireplace or does the nail salon do waxing and tanning? Does the apartment complex have a swimming pool? These are things that insurance carriers care about. Yeah. We mine that data and be able to provide that full picture for that and that enables automation. But the third category of data that we provide is data that they're not really using today yet are still predictive of insurance outcomes. So we're looking at the customer ratings, we're looking at the reputation, we're looking at the visibility, we're looking at the online presence of those given businesses because that can really be a proxy for how well that business is run. And so we can tell you that a contractor that has a terrible reputation and as documented by what's online that we have actually even put into an index that we rate this contractor being very low based on its reputation. Well, that contractor is much more likely to have a loss within 12 months than a contract that we rate is this person's got a great reputation. And we make it explicit. This is how you use this data, right? Because this is a direct correlation to an insurance outcome loss. So that's what this comes down to. And so data for the sake of data or AI for the sake of AI Right? Isn't that interesting, frankly? It actually adds to the noise. It, it doesn't it's, actually It's just help. noise. But if we say, here's a data element, this is how you use it, right? And this is how you avoid adverse selection, right? This is how you avoid the bad businesses. This is how you prioritize the good businesses. This is going to improve your business. And it's super exciting. And so I love having this conversation. 
with every character because it, it makes intuitive sense, right? Of course, a restaurant with terrible reviews, right? Actually, intuitively, why don't they have good reviews, right? I mean, they didn't even have their brother-in-law write a review. This goes to the risk management right. element for the risk management listeners, which is there's a lot of things that are indicators or you know these red lights that if you don't have the data or you don't have a consistent data source, you're not going to be able to act on. And so then it, we stick to these very archaic processes because we don't have enough consistency. Exactly right. And that's the problem that we had set up to solve exactly is being able to, whatever the business segment is, where's the online presence of that business, being able to create that consistency so you can apply that across all the given, whether it's restaurants or whether it's hotels or whether that's nail salons or however that goes, being able to have that consistent data in order to be able to do that. And the thing is, it's also exciting is that sometimes when we talk about big data or AI, it can often be a black box, right? So here's this model or here's a score, but I don't exactly know what drove that. Well, the things we're talking about here are pretty intuitive and pretty basic here, right? This is how the, this business, the visibility of this business, or this is health and sanitation, this is how it, it rates, and obviously these things are predictive of loss. Yeah, and this is, if you're a good underwriter, you're probably gonna find this stuff out on your own, but here, here it is already in front of you, so now you're spending your time doing the secondary behavior that often is not where you spend all of your time. Right, and the process is not gonna be consistent, right? It's gonna be, by definition, subjective on it. One underwriter does this, this one goes to Yelp, this one Googles, this one does something else, this one doesn't do anything, this one got backed up or however that goes. Right? Obviously, a carrier wants to have that consistency in everything they do. And the same is true for claims, right? You want to handle your claims uniformly so there's no bias in any of the processes that you have as well, which ones you investigate, which ones not, applying a consistent process because then to all of it, obviously it has so many benefits. Here's a, another controversial question I love asking CEOs when I have them on the podcast executive to executive, when you're having a conversation and someone doesn't buy into this, doesn't buy into this narrative you're telling, why is that? What is still the roadblock that you're not, you know, every single carrier isn't using your company right now. What is that gap that you have to fill? There is a really great question because people's responses are very different. There's not one single, though, this is why we don't want to do that. Is it fear of technology? Is it fear of, well, if we expose this and everybody's on the same playing field, like, what is the resistance that you face? Well, I mean, there's, of course, always resistance to automating a process a human being might do. And so you don't want to do something that's going to take away people's jobs. So that's always a major headwind. And I mean, we don't want to be in the business of, you know, being a robot, putting a person out. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. And obviously the way we, you know, we think a lot about this is enables your team to be more effective. Absolutely. Do less tedious work and go through that process. I mean, two, though, a roadblock is... This is embedded in a system. And when you are embedded in a system and there's an automated decision, it requires some thinking and planning and process change management and how to integrate to one of the good system. Look, there's some brain damage in it, right? And for us, the decisions that we've made, we don't really want to deliver the data via a dashboard. We don't want to create a new tool for a person to use to get at this. We want to integrate with the existing processes and tools in order to, to so a true data that provider players. Yeah, exactly. And that can be a hurdle sometimes because there's just a little more friction in having to integrate something to be able to really embed that data into that process flow. When I think about this, you know, and always use technology at the speed of technology for technologists, you think of like Bombora and you think of companies who have provided intent data and things like that. And why do some organizations still don't trust that or don't utilize it? And so whenever I hear insure techs doing stuff, it's always like, oh, can the lessons learned from those other organizations help propel your company forward? One thing I think that you're doing that we do at TrustLayer as well is 
instead of being an insure tech who's telling someone or a data provider who's telling someone, we know best, you're trying to integrate yourself into the existing processes and up-level those processes, which I think historically insure techs have not done a good job of doing. Right there. Here's a new tool. So you need to train on a new tool. This is how you want to get out of your existing process in order to use this tool. And we don't. And your outcomes suck because you're plugging this tool in and you don't have anything associated to it. And you're right. You're not getting utilization. And so there are so many problems with that. So having the embedded data is really what everybody ultimately wants. But again, it requires a little more effort. Having you on the podcast and you having such a long history in insure tech, what are some of the areas you felt like as insurance technologies we've matured in? Is it this integration area of like understanding? how to integrate technology better into core processes that we've really matured? Or I guess what I'm asking you is, if you could say, hey, we're doing well here as a, as a global community at ITC, but we still have a lot of work to do in this other area, what would that be? I think we have a long way to go. I think we're just scratching the surface on so much, at least in the world that you know we live in, in data, right? I mean, claims handling is not consistent. There's so many steps to it. It's really, really, really messy. We're trying to do our part to you know, help clean that up. But I mean, we're a very long way away from real straight through processing. And I've heard carriers talk about roughly 80% of claims probably should be paid without having to really intervene very much. And there's about another 18% or so that do require some handling and maybe one or 2% that's actual hard fraud. And I think we're nowhere near to those levels of straight through processing on what they did. So I think that there's a ton of work to be done there. And certainly on the small commercial side, 50, 60, 70, 80% of small commercial policies should probably be fully automated and passed through. And I think that no one is anywhere close to those kinds of numbers and what they're actually doing today. So to me, it's super exciting to see it. But the area that I think will be an accelerant and make this change happen is when adverse selection starts becoming a big problem, right? So once enough carriers are using data that helps them avoid those bad risks, right, those carriers that aren't using this data are going to be writing a lot of bad business, and then that becomes that accelerant, and then very quickly overnight. That, that always changes the industry, right? right? That's where the industry change usually industry happens. Change. Just like credit disrupted auto insurance in the yeah. 90s, yeah. right? That's what's going to happen again. In data, I was walking the showroom floor, saw people who had the biggest booths who were all the way up at the front were these AI providers that I couldn't really understand sometimes what the value of the prop was. Where is AI right now in an insurance and where do you think it's going and how much of a concern do you have about it? So I think the first question obviously breaks down the use case and I like to think about breaking it into kind of three core buckets. So I think the first bucket is internal productivity at a given company. So what are best practices around using AI, generative AI in marketing, for your software developers, in your accounting teams, Whatever the given areas internally, how are you using this to be more productive as a company? That's bucket one. I think the next bucket is how are you using these newer AI technologies to improve or reduce your cost of goods sold? So now can I do something to take people out of it or can I reduce costs on something like that to really drive my cost down and improve margin or ultimately being able to cost me less to do, that means maybe I can pass that through to a customer, right? If you're not cannibalizing your own business, someone else is going to. So I think that's the second bucket. And really the third bucket that I think is most interesting is what is possible now that wasn't possible before? So now that we have this new form of AI, and say we talk about risk selection, okay, what can I now learn? And then ultimately, what can I now automate around? And so like an example, think about, well, it might be small, insurers price risk, 
based on structured data. And they're not going to price risk or underwrite around some AI model necessarily. Yeah, the right? black box model. The black box, they're not doing that, right? But you can get at things of, have some kind of questions that, you know, what don't I know about this business and that I don't know how to ask about, but I should know. Right, and the AI it brings the industry expertise that sometimes is missing from anyone and any underwriter. Or if you're not running a bar every day, you all might not know all the questions you should ask. As an example, right. So something such as to a given business, what are common customer complaints? Right. right? So that's not something that you have a structured data set for, right? And it's not something that's really easy to sort of get. But AI can pull out and tell you this ice cream shop. People are complaining about the parking lot. Right. It's really tight. Right. Well, a tight parking lot might mean that there's going to be some exposure, commercial auto risk or whatever that is. You never would have gotten that before, right? But now you can ideally automate around, potentially things around that. So it's minor, but that's sort of a new capability. Yeah, that you couldn't I, mean, I think really that's a great before. thing. We know whenever technology comes up, we start talking about ROI of reducing a existing friction, but the real true value is opportunity, right? right? What opportunity does this create? What's that we possible have now? That wasn't possible yesterday, right? And that's exciting, and that's obviously where we want to be. And I think that, look, you know, at these shows, whatever else, I think very few people are really in that space of, this is new capabilities, this is actually something that's different, and we're still in search of, of, of those kinds of use cases. Amazing. We talked about this a little bit offline, but one of the big concerns for risk management is talent coming into it. This is one of the reasons why data is, is going to be incredibly critical. I, I really like that answer that you gave. How do we get people who are smart and out of college in this industry, and then what's a piece of advice that you would give them to be successful? I think sure is super fascinating, right? And you look at that, you know, the world that people like Nate Silver, another of sort of the original predictive analytics players have created of using data to predict interesting outcomes. But if you look at insurance, I mean, insurance are the original predictive analytics companies. They've been predicting outcomes for literally centuries, right? On mortality tables and, and weather patterns. And so I think anytime you are in the business of predicting future, it's exciting. So I think for young people, I think, you know, studying things like data science and, you know, promise that all and all the math and obviously AI and general AI, again, this is exactly what insurance is. And, and as we come into a world in which obviously climate has become more uncertain, there's always going to be other areas that are more uncertain. What are the risks to a business around Gen AI, right? What does that mean? Because Gen AI itself can be a weapon. So the magnitude of risks that we haven't even thought about will always be coming. And I think being ahead of that and being a leader and being able to help insurers predict those outcomes is a great and a super exciting career path. I think I absolutely agree. With every opportunity comes risk. It's the same table, right? And I think that some of these science, like data science, ability to classify and understand data, work with technology as a tool, these are areas where I think that in the insurance industry, you can move very quickly in your career by taking these skills that you're learning and, and applying them to this job. What's the advice? The advice is take as broad an approach as possible, right, to predicting any kinds of outcomes, whether that's really all the forms of AI that are uh, happening today, whether that's through images, whether it's through text, whether it's um, through math, you know, all those given areas, right? And think about applying them to the impending risk in the future. And, and again, I think it's super exciting. And I love being in this industry for this reason. Yeah, I really enjoy it. Thank you, Max, so much. Risk Management Brick by Brick is brought to you by TrustLayer. Find out how TrustLayer manages risk so that the people can build the physical world around us. Head over to TrustLayer.io. And then make sure to subscribe to Risk Management Brick by Brick on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of the TrustLayer team, 
Thank you for listening.